morning we continue on our study that we began, uh, I guess, the end of last year. Uh, we haven't gotten too far so far, um, but we are going to be looking today at verses 5 through uh, 10. And uh, part of John's purpose as he writes this little epistle is, in light of false teachers that have been creeping into some of these churches where John is sending his letter, is they have, they have taught things that are contrary to Christ and uh, contrary to the gospel. And so one of the things that John wants to do is to assure the hearts of true believers that they truly belong to Christ, that they are in him. And so at the end of the book, he says, I write these things to you that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is a book that is important for us today as well, as we sit in the pew, as, as we gather here today. That, that important question, do I know that I belong to him? Do I know that I'm one of his? And so John is writing to these believers to encourage them not to be drawn away by these false teachers, but to see the beauty and the glory of Christ and to look at their life to see if These things are true about them, that they truly know him. So he wants to assure their hearts. God wants to do that for his people, to know that they savingly are joined to Christ and that nothing can separate them from the love of God in Christ. And so here are these teachers seeking to lure them away, and they distorted the view of salvation and also of sanctification. And our theme uh, in this book is life. It is life in Jesus Christ. What does life look like in the Son? If we belong to him, what does that look like in our day-to-day life? What does the gospel produce in the life of a Christian? And John would affirm to us, when we think about what it is to be a Christian, that Christianity is experiential. It's not just theory. It's not just theology. It's not just things that we say that we believe or we have in our head. But it is truly experiential. It is something that is being fleshed out in the life of all of those who truly are united to Christ, to have come to faith and belong to him. So what does life in Christ, in the Son, look like day by day? And what we find here is John is seeking to produce assurance in the hearts of true saints is that he gives a number of tests. And there are three categories that we find in 1 John uh, where we find these tests. There's a doctrinal test. What do we believe about Jesus Christ? That is vitally important. Do we have a right view of who Christ is? This will be a sign of one who belongs to Christ. Secondly, there's a social test. Do we love what Christ loves? Christ loves his church. He loves his people. Do we love the people of God? Are they on our heart? Do we seek to be one who is a ministering saint among the people of God? So there's this social test. Do we love the the church? Do we love the people of God, those who have been born of God? And a third test is a moral or an ethical test. 
a test of righteousness, a test of obedience. Am I one who is walking in the light? And this is where he begins here in 1 John 1. This is the first test. This sermon is entitled, Life in the Sun Will Be Evidenced by Walking in the Light. And I've given it a subtitle, Mole or Moth. We talked about a mole a few weeks ago. We're going to pick that back up today. But the question today is, am I more like a mole or am I more like a moth? All right, hold on for that. First of all, we've already looked at verse 5 where John gives us a summation of Jesus' message, the one that we have heard, the one that I spent three and a half years with. I have communicated to you. I've spoken to you about the thing. I'm writing to you about the things that I have learned from Christ. And to sum up the message that I heard from Christ, in verse 5 he says, it is this, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And we looked at that a few weeks ago. I think it was on New Year's Day. We looked at this idea that God is light. And I think there's a couple senses in which we can understand that, that he is light in the sense that whenever there was a manifestation of God, and uh, particularly in the Old Testament, there was often light that was associated with it. When there was ever a theophany, there was the sight of, of, of light, God appearing. God led the children of Israel out of Egypt and he was the fire, uh, the pillar of fire that went before them at night and this cloud that went before them in the day. But also it is, I think, used to speak about holiness. The God is light, that he is pure, that he is holy. There is no sin in him at all. And everything that he does is holy and righteous and good. There is no darkness in him. A third idea is that God is light, is that light is a revealing thing. God is a self-revealing God. He has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in nature. He's revealed himself in scripture. He's revealed himself in his son. And so God is a God who reveals himself. And if we are to have fellowship with him, which John is concerned to write about, how do you have fellowship with someone unless you know them? And so he has revealed himself to us that we might know him and get to know him more and more. And we have fellowship with him. And so he reveals himself. And one of the things that light does is it dispels darkness and enables us to see. God enables us to see and understand realities that left to ourselves we would not know, we could not understand. And God as light reveals to us some very important, ultimate questions about life. Where did we come from? Why are we here? Who are we? It exposes our sin. It exposes our need of a Savior. And it reveals to us the gospel, Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of sinners. And so, as a self-revealing God that, and this light that dispels darkness, it enables us to see and to understand reality as it really is. And we can be so thankful for that. So we're able to understand something about ourselves, about the world in which we live, and the Bible, God's light, gives us an understanding of the world in which we live, a biblical worldview. So God is light. Secondly, John's premise is this, that life in the sun will be evidenced 
by walking in the light. And this is what we see in these verses. Now, we might ask this question, where did John get this idea that, that only those who are walking in the light really belong to the Son? Well, this isn't his own thinking. This isn't his own teaching. He got this from Jesus. If you will, turn back to a verse we looked at two weeks ago. It is John chapter 8, verse 12. I thought it would be good for us to look at this again, just briefly. John 8, 12. Here's this great I am statement of the Lord Jesus Christ. I made a mistake two weeks ago when I preached on this. I said there were six I am statements in the book of John. I was wrong. There are seven. I forgot one of them, which was John 15. I am the vine. You are the branches. But here is this I am statement that Jesus gives here in John 8:12. I am the light of the world. Now notice this phrase. I I mentioned this two weeks ago, but notice this phrase. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The one who follows me, the one who is a disciple, a true disciple, this will be true of them. They will not walk in darkness. This is an absolute denial The one who's a follower of me, who belongs to me, he's not going to continue to walk in darkness. He will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of light. So here's this statement that Jesus makes about his followers. They will not walk in darkness. Now turn back a couple chapters, chapter 3. And in this chapter, we see here, This idea of light and darkness. There's some debate as to whether these verses uh, are spoken by Jesus or if this is John, the writer, that is writing this. Some of yours may have it in uh, red letters, as mine does. Uh, Some don't. But anyway, we want to look at verse 19 where Jesus says that, you know, he's come into this world. He's come as a light into this world. And he says... He hasn't come to judge the world, but he's come to save the world. His first mission uh, in his first advent is a saving purpose. But then he says, uh, we'll go back to verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Notice this, that the light has come into the world. Who is this light? Well, it is Jesus. I'm the light of the world. This light has come into our world, our dark world. But notice, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light And does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So here's this concept of light, that Jesus is light. But what is the response of the world into which he came? Did they love the the light? Did they embrace the light? No, it says, left to themselves, they hated the light. And there's a reason behind that. They hated the light because their deeds were evil. They loved to do sinful things. 
they don't like the light. And this, this is where I use the illustration of a mole. A mole is something that likes darkness. It likes to be underground. It tunnels underground. After I had preached that a few weeks ago, um, I found out that Felicity had drawn a picture of me thumping a mole on the head because I said, I don't like moles because they tear up my yard. So she drew a portrait for me of me in my yard, I think with a tie on, uh, thumping a mole. And then I also heard, I I had said that moles are pretty ugly. Um, And I heard somebody was on their phone, Gabby, and she was looking it up and she she said she didn't think they were ugly. She thought they were pretty cute. Um, But anyway... The mole, it loves the darkness. It doesn't like to come up above the ground. It loves its subterranean life in the dark. That's where it lives. That's where it, its habit, habitation is. But notice it goes on here. Jesus says in verse 21, but he who does the truth, what does he do? He comes to the light. So in contrast to those that love darkness and don't want to come to the light, here is, in contrast to that, one who does the truth and is drawn to the light. And we might think of a a summer night where you have the front porch light on, and what happens when it gets dark? All of these insects are attracted. Many of them are attracted to the light, especially moths. You can see often these big moths that are drawn to the light. They're attracted to it. Unlike the mole, they are attracted to the light. And here are those who are attracted to the light, who are like a moth. But we notice here that John tells us, or Jesus tells us, that this being drawn to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. What is the difference between someone that loves the darkness and someone that is drawn to the light? This is a work of God. This is something that is supernatural. John, earlier in John 3 here, we find Jesus speaking about the new birth. That unless a man is born of the Spirit of God, he will not see the kingdom of heaven. This is a supernatural thing when someone who has native darkness, born into this world, blind and, and, and has, uh, has a heart that is given over to darkness, that anyone would come to the light is a miracle. It's a miracle of God's supernatural grace. And so that's why John can say, we know that we have come to know Christ and we can be assured that we have life in him because we're seeking to walk in the light. And so that is the point that, it, that John is making here, that the life, life in the sun will be evidenced by walking in the light. So thirdly, this morning, John's application for his readers is to ask themselves this, am I a moth? Or am I a mole? So let's look at the first case that is given here by John. There are five conditional statements that John gives. If this is true, then this will be the conclusion that we can draw from it. If then. And so case number one, scenario A. What is the claim? Verse six. If we say, 
that we have fellowship with him, that we have fellowship with God, and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So here is a claim that is being made by many, and many make this claim, don't they? They claim to belong to God, they have fellowship with God, that they know him, and that they are, um, what we might say, are a believer. They uh, can have a lot of religious talk. Um, There are a lot of people like that. A lot of people in church, even today, who would say they know God. And notice John even says we, that we have fellowship. He includes himself with them. If this would be true, even of an apostle, that we say that we have fellowship and that we know him, this is the claim, but what is the practice? We say that we have fellowship with him, and yet what? We walk in darkness. This is a present tense verb, and this is going to be very important as we go through the book of First John. John is going to be looking at the video of someone's life. What is the video of my life saying about me? Well, here, this video is saying they are walking in darkness. This is the pattern. This is the manner in which they are living their life. They are walking in the darkness. And darkness, again, here is is a metaphor for they're, they're walking in ungodly ways. They are walking in spiritual darkness. They're walking contrary to the God who is a God of light. They're walking contrary to his word. They are living ungodly lives, ungodlike lives. And it not it interesting when we think about ungodliness, when a person lives ungodlike, he also becomes unmanlike. He becomes less than what God had created man to be. He becomes ungodly and does things that we would never imagine that a man or a woman could do. He becomes ungodly. And so he's walking in darkness. We could say of Psalm 1, rather than walking in the counsel of God's word, They are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the path of sinners, sitting in the seat of scoffers. He's not walking in holiness. He's not walking according to God's revealed word. It's not important to him or her. It's not significant. They're walking and going their own way, living their life for themselves. Their life is characterized by Walking in darkness. Now, do we sense the hypocrisy here? I have fellowship with God, and yet, on the other hand, I'm walking in darkness. It's like oil and water. These don't go together, do they? And Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, he says to them, don't be unequally yoked. What fellowship has light with darkness? When you think about getting married, you need to marry. If you're a Christian, you need to marry in the Lord because you cannot truly have fellowship in a marriage where there is this division. So Amos 3.3 says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? How can we say that we know God and yet we're walking in darkness? That's the tenor of our life. 
What's the necessary conclusion that we need to draw from this, what John tells us? And what we're going to find is we go through the book of John. John's not afraid to tell you what he thinks. And he's pretty bold in what he says. So to this person who says he knows God, and yet he is walking in darkness. This is the character of his life. Notice what John says. The necessary conclusion, he says, we lie and we do not practice the truth. We lie. We're a liar. Now, this may not be something that in their mind is intentional, that they're wanting to do this, but their life is revealing this lie, that this is indeed not the case. This is a spurious claim to say that they know God. So John is brutally honest with us, isn't he? So the issue here is it's not so much what my lips are saying. As they say, talk is cheap, isn't it? But he's saying, what is my life saying? What is the video of my life saying about me? Think of the words of Jesus in Matthew 7. Where Jesus says, in the last day, there's going to be many who will say unto me, Lord, Lord. And Jesus will say, I I never knew you. But Lord, we did all of these things. We we actually were doing things. But he said, "I, I never knew you, you workers. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. They were saying one thing and they were living a different way. So we might ask here in verse 6, is this a moth or is this a mole? I think our conclusion has to be yes, it is a mole, one that loves darkness and is living in darkness. Now conversely, we see in verse 7, scenario B, we see, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All right? He's using the present tense here again. But if we, if we are those who are walking in the light, notice John doesn't begin with what we say, but he says, if we are walking in the light, this is true of us. The video of our life is saying that we are walking in the life. It's not what we're saying. It's looking at our life. We would be able to say with Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, doesn't sit in the seat of scorners and, 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 and stand in the way of sinners. I got that messed up. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And he's going to be like a tree that's planted by living waters, by the river, and it's bearing fruit. So here is one who is walking in the light, walking in regards to the word of God. And, and John says this is, this is evidence of conversion. This is evidence of one who is in vital union with Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. And they're not repelled from the light. In other words, they're drawn to the light. And so what is the conclusion? Verse 7 Verse, uh, latter part of verse 7, well, this, this one has fellowship with one another. They enjoy the communion of God's people who also love the light. You know people that, that hate the light, they don't want to be around people that are light kind of people. They want to stay away from those people because it exposes their sin. 
But a believer is one who wants to be with God's people and has fellowship with them. We have these things in common in Christ. So they have fellowship with one another. And, of course, that's an evidence that they have fellowship with God himself. But he also goes on and he says, not only do we have fellowship, but the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. They can be assured, they can be assured and know that their sins have been nailed to the cross and they bear them no more. Christ indeed has saved them and that his blood has cleansed them. That's a beautiful picture that is given in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, of cleansing, of being made clean. You know what it's like when you're dirty and you feel scummy and you just, you want to get a shower, you want to get clean. And what sin does to the soul, it makes it dirty and defiled. And in Christ, there is forgiveness. There is this cleansing that we can know. And notice he says he saves us and cleanses us from all, from all unrighteousness. How great is our sin, but how greater still is the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ who cleanses us from all sin. And so as we look at this verse, we can ask the question, is this a moth or is it a mole? And I think the answer is clear. This is a moth. This is someone that is drawn to the light and is walking in the light and one who knows the light, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we see in verses 8 and 9, case number 2, scenario A, we have a claim. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, if we say that we have no sin, that's hard to know exactly what John means here and also in verse 10, I I think probably some of the false teachers were leading them astray and they were saying that, you know, what we do in our earthly body is not that significant. What is important is the spirit, that we have a heart that is pure and and we are living in our spirit. And whatever you do in your body is not important. It's immaterial. And so they were leading people astray that way. Or maybe there were those that actually said you could become perfect, this idea of perfectionism. I've only met one person in all my life that they thought that they had reached the state of perfection. And I wanted to ask their spouse what they thought about that, but but I didn't. So here's this claim. If, If we say that we have no sin, well, this is the claim. So what is... What is the necessary conclusion? If this is true of us, if we say that we have no sin, or we might even say this, that we have no concern about sin, it's a non-issue with us. Well, John says if we say that, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Because to a believer, sin is going to be an issue dealing with sin. And therefore, he goes on in this next verse and says, in contrast, if we confess our sins, see, that's what a believer does. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the indication of someone that has been drawn to the light and their, lie, their sin is being exposed. They don't try to cover it up. They don't try to hide it. They confess it. That word means to say the same thing about it, to say the same thing, what God says about it. It is sin. I side with God about my sin. It is wrong, and I confess it. I agree with him, and we turn to Christ. We're going to look at this more next week because there's a lot here in this verse. But as we look at this verse, moth or mole, I think we see here a moth, don't we? One who's come to the light. And then the last one, verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, similar, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. There's a lot of things in our world that uh, help us to kind of rationalize our sin. You know, psychologists, counselors, they can tell us there's all kinds of reasons we do the things that we do, but it's not really our fault. And we can do that ourselves. We can try to hide what we've done, and we can try to cover it up and say, it really wasn't my fault. It was a great uncle that I had in my family line, and that's why I am the way I am, and I'm not responsible. John says, if we say that, notice what he says, the conclusion, we make make him a liar. We make God a liar, because he said, all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God of God. I want to just make a couple of clarifications here. When we talk about walking in darkness, somebody that is walking in darkness, a lot of times what we will think about maybe is the neighborhood bully, guy that just loves beating people up, or a serial killer, or the rapist, or the abortion doctor who is killing babies in the womb. Or we might think of the D.C. Swamp and some of those people there. Or we might think of those men that say they identify as a female and going into the YMC women's locker room and shower room. We might think of the Hitlers of the world. And that's what we might think about when we think about people walking in darkness. Well, that would be true, but that would be incomplete. Walking in darkness is simply... What Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone, what? Astray. We have gone our own way. We're just going our own way. It may not be the way of some of these people, but we're just going our own way, living our life for ourselves, independent of God, living life for myself. Let me read this quote. This is from Robert Law. He said, to walk in darkness is not necessarily to live a double life under any of the deeper shades of deliberate hypocrisy. It is simply to pursue the everyday life of business and pleasure, of purpose and achievement, without reference to the will of God, to live by the false and mutilated standards of the world. You remember a rich man that tore down his barns, and he built bigger barns. And he said to his soul, you know, you, you have reason now to be happy. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool. Now, this probably was an upstanding man in the community, businessman. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things 
be which you have provided. And so is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, you can live in this world an upstanding character in in the eyes of society around you and still be walking in darkness, living your life for yourself, going your own way, seeking your own agenda. And so walking in darkness is more than sometimes what we might think it is. But also walking in the light, some may have a tender conscience and they may think, you know, I look at my life and I'm trying to walk in the light, but I fail so often and I lapse so often. Well, when John is talking about walking in the light, he's not talking about perfectionism. He's not talking about someone who is perfectly walking in the light every day, 24-7. John is very clear here that we sin. We all sin. He'll make that clear. But one of the issues is what do we do about sin? Do we conceal it or do we confess it? And so one of the marks of walking in the light is how we are dealing with sin. And we seek to to turn from it, to walk in holiness. So as we close this morning, I want to ask you some questions. As you look at this first test that's given by John, here are some questions Are you one who walks in the light or are you one who walks in darkness? What is the video of your life saying about you? Moth or mole? Are you one who is walking in the light? Are you a light liver or a darkness dweller? Is the word of God something that is guiding you and directing you? Are you living independent of God and his word? Secondly, what's your attitude towards sin? Are you a sin denier or a sin confessor? Does sin delight you or does it grieve you? These are some of the questions I think these verses would have us to ask of ourselves. John Owen said, if the issue of sin, indwelling sin, is not one of your greatest concerns as one who professes faith, I doubt you are a Christian. But as we would come to know that, if that's true of us, as John would maybe show us our heart, it's good news if we begin to see that. I've been living in darkness. And as we come to see that, There's the invitation that is given by Christ. He who believes in me will have the light of life. Flee to Christ. Flee to Jesus. Find life and light in him. If you're a believer today, you can say, by the grace of God, as I look at my life, I can see the fingerprints of God's grace upon my life. I am endeavoring to walk in the light as God is light how we ought to give thanks to God for his amazing grace to us that has changed our heart, that has brought us into union with Christ. And to God is all the glory and all the praise.
As we close today, I want to read just some lines from a hymn that we all know. It's an old hymn if we grew up in church. The light of the world is Jesus. The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, his glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light that's shining for thee. Sweetly the light has dawned upon me. Once I was blind, but now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus. Let's stand together and we'll be